Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the opportunity to be gathered here. We pray that your word will have a place in our meeting today. In Jesus' name, speak to our hearts, touch us, transform us by the power of your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Right, so for the past, for a couple of weeks now, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, we saw the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. We spoke about the person of the Holy Spirit. We spoke about the uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Um, the last one, the last installment of the Holy Spirit will be the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so we are going to, today we're just going to discuss the <coughs> fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, some people, some people say, call it fruits with an S, but if you pay attention to the text, the text did not add the S. The text said fruits of the Spirit. And so it is the fruits of the Spirit and not fruits of the Spirit, as some people normally say. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Now, one of the things that we mentioned last week was that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And by being filled with the Holy Spirit, what we said was to be influenced by the Holy Spirit, that your life will be influenced by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, that do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like wine is able to influence a person, influence how the person talks, influence how the person thinks, influence how the person walks. In the same way, the Bible says that do not be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means be come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Coming under the influence of the Holy Spirit happens through submission to the Holy Spirit. And so the fruit of the Spirit is they, they are character traits, they are behavior traits that that accompanies the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Or better still, that should accompany the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so if you are a believer, there are this character trait should, should be seen in your life. They are fruit that you bear because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you are, you'll be able to bear this fruit when you draw nearer to the Holy Spirit and when you submit your life to the Holy Spirit, then you begin to walk in this um, adjectives. You begin to show this character traits that is being um, that has been described described as the fruit of the Spirit. And so, in my introduction, just like I said, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit. And when it's when the Bible was talking about the flesh in this same chapter, it says the works of the flesh. And so, those activities that we call sin or that are sinful. Are works of the flesh. And it's easy to identify the works of the flesh. Very easy. Sometimes people could even stand on the Bible and they'll be demonstrating works of the flesh. They could be quoting Bible, but then you can tell from what they are doing that it is the works of the flesh and not the fruit of the Spirit. 
And so sometimes you, you, you could even stand on scripture and do things that are contrary to what you should be doing as a believer. And so what we should pray for is that our lifestyle, our thinking, our behavior, our actions will be consumed by the presence of the Holy Spirit as we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit and that will bring the transformation. I think I mentioned in one of our um, meetings that one of the main traits of one of the main ministry, I think that was last week, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, one of the main things that you see in a believer is the transformation that happens when somebody accepts Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior. When a person accepts Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior, you see that their life is transformed. That even though they used to steal, now they begin to see stealing as something that is not, that shouldn't be, in, that shouldn't be associated with them. Even though they used to live lives that did not glorify God, now they quickly they identify that those things should not be associated with them because they, are, they have received the newness of life through Christ Jesus. And this transformation is one of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So I, I know that there are a lot and I, I'm not sh- I, I'm just going to, I mean, we can do a series on this one, but we, we are just going to touch briefly on each of the give, um, the fruit of the Spirit. And so the first one that we want to look at is love. And I, I took the scripture from Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. You know, Paul's introduction to the people of Corinthians talks about the fact that this church of Corinthians did not come behind in any of the spiritual gifts. And so this was a church that had a lot of demonstration of power. This church had prophecies working in it. This church had um, the, the working of miracles and all that gift. Because Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, that this church does not come behind in any of the spiritual gifts. Very A classic example of our church in these days, there is power, there is joy, there's all those things. But there were things that were happening in the church that, that was not, that, that did not um, conform to the image of Christ. And so Paul wrote a letter to correct all these things. And in chapter 12, the last verse in chapter 12 says, after Paul had given them a lecture on the gifts of the Spirit and how they should demonstrate and walk in the gifts of the Spirit, he says, but earnestly desire the best gift, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And so Paul is saying, after he has shown them how to walk in the gift of the Spirit, how to demonstrate the gift of the Spirit, he now comes back in verse chapter 13 to say that in, in the last verse in chapter 12 to tell them that I will show you the most excellent way. And after he said, I will show you the most excellent way, the next thing he spoke about was love. And in verse 4 of chapter 13, he says, love suffers long, love is kind, does not envy, does not parade itself, does not, it's not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, it is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity by rejoicing in truth, bears all, all things, believes all things, hope all things, endures all things. And so Paul went on to explain to them that they should desire their gift, but their pursuit should be love. And love is the first um, adjective that is mentioned to describe the fruit of the Spirit. 
love is the foundation of all the other fruit of the spirit. You cannot exhibit any of the fruit of the spirit without love. Love is the foundation of all the other fruit. And so when you look at, even when you look at Corinthians, how Paul explains love, you can see the fruits of the spirit mentioned in the description that Paul gave in Corinthians. He says, love suffers long. Long suffering is one of the adjectives that is, that is used for the fruit of the spirit. Love is kind. Kindness is one of the adjectives that is used for the fruits of the Spirit. It says love does not parade itself. Love is not proud. Love is meek. Meekness is one of the things that is used to describe. Love, it says love does not behave rudely. It is not easily provoked. Self-control is one of the things that is mentioned as the fruits of the So love is the foundation of the fruit of the spirit. Love is what sets the tone to walk in all the other fr- and it's not surprising that it is the first one that is mentioned. So he said in, in, in Galatians it says but the fruit of the spirit I'm sorry but the fruit of the spirit well my in my text here I can see that love is missing and it's being replaced by another word but love is the first i'm sorry i don't see it in my text yet but love the bible says but the fruit of the spirit is love i guess i was trying to paste it so copy the okay so love is the first fruit that is mentioned so love is the foundation of the fruit of the spirit the bible tells us in romans chapter 8 13 verse 8 all no one except to love one another For he who loves has fulfilled the law. You see, all the laws that that was given to the people in the Old Testament, it is fulfilled in one, and that is love. Love fulfills all the laws in the Old Testament. You know, there is always a debate and argument about whether the laws of the, we are supposed to follow the laws in the Old Testament as New Testament believers or not. But the argument is that as New Testament believers, we have a higher law, and that is to love. And Jesus Christ said, there are two commandments that are most important. The first one is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. He says, on this, all the laws stand. You see, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself, you meet all the requirements of the law. And that is why Paul said that against such, there is no law. Against demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law. The people of Galatians were being drawn, the church in Galatians were being drawn again to observing the law. And Paul was reminding them that it's not an issue of observing the law, but it's an issue of faith in Christ Jesus. And the fulfillment of the law, or what Paul mentioned as the law of Christ, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so love is the fulfillment of every other law in the Old Testament that you can think about. The laws can be divided into one, our relationship with God, and two, our relationship with other men. But if you love God, and if you love man, you fulfill all the law. And so in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, the Bible says that owe no one anything, owe no one anything except to love one another. For love, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. 
Love fulfills all the law. And the Greek word that is used here in, in Galatians is agape, that is unconditional love. It can also be explained as sacrificial love. Love forms the foundation of the other fruit. You cannot walk in long-suffering, in patience, in kindness, in goodness, unless you have love. And love is the law of Christ. And so in the New Testament, we are encouraged as believers to walk in love. When Paul gave a description of what love is, he says, love suffers long. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Love is kind. And this wonderful description of what love is, if we are able to walk in this description here, that is how we demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. There is no one who can demonstrate, genuinely demonstrate or walk in the fruit of the Spirit who has no love. And so even as people have made their pursuit, the power of the Holy Spirit, when people talk about the Holy Spirit, the first thing that comes to mind is power. The first thing that comes to mind is the gift. But the very important thing that shows that we are believers is the fruit of the Spirit and not just the power. And so you can see people walking in power and they have ignored love towards one another. They have ignored kindness towards one another. And they, make, they believe that they are good Christians. But Paul says that desire spiritual gifts. But the excellent way is to walk in love. He told the believers in Corinthians that you can desire spiritual gifts. But what you should pursue is love. So loving one another is the fulfillment of the law. And it's the foundation for all the other fruits of the Spirit. If you'll be able to walk in genuine joy, then you must have love for God and love for man. If we, I mean, if we spend all the time talking about love, I believe that we have touched on all the other fruits of the Spirit because love is the foundation. It is <clears throat> what sets the tone for all the other description that is given <clears throat> for the fruit of the Spirit. The next one. Unfortunately, we will not have time to talk about everything into detail. So we'll just touch on every, every adjective that is used to describe the fruit of the Spirit briefly. And then we'll summarize it <clears throat> for today. The next one that the Bible talks about is joy. Last week, was it last week or two weeks ago, I mentioned that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. But the unfortunate thing is that there is a lot of believers who do not have joy. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so as you draw close to the Holy Spirit, as you spend time with the Holy Spirit, one of the things that you have is joy. One of the character traits that you exhibit is joy. And joy does not depend on happenings. Your happiness will depend on the things that happen around you. But joy does not depend on things that happen around you. Joy is from within so Paul remind the believers that for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, some people, when they attend parties, listen to music, they dance, they eat, they drink, and they, they will say that, oh, today I'm so excited. I'm so happy. That's how people of the world or secular people demonstrate their happiness. They drink, they dance, they have parties, they enjoy themselves, and that is happiness for them that is like an exciting thing to do but the bible says that for 
the kingdom of God is not an issue, an issue of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This type of joy is from redeem. This type of joy comes from a relationship and not for things that happen around you. So if you'll be able to walk in joy, it stems from the relationship you have with the Holy Spirit, the relationship you have with God. It will not depend on the things that you receive from Him, but the relationship that you have with Him. And so joy does not depend on whether you got an offer or you did not get an offer. Whether the expect things that you were expecting happened or it didn't, they didn't happen. Your joy is from the fact that you know you are a child of God. The joy, your joy is from the fact that you know you have the Holy Spirit inside of your heart. And it is just cheerfulness. No matter the circumstances, no matter what is happening around you, you just walk in that joy. And this is one thing that I see that most believers do not have. Joy. Believers are happy most people are happy based on the things that happen around them. When God gives them a miracle, they are excited. They are happy. You see them laughing, quoting scripture and, and, and expressing their praise to God. But when things, they are waiting on God for something or things they are expecting to happen do not happen. Most people are not able to walk in joy. Joy shouldn't be dependent on what what you receive or what you do not receive. Even when you lose something, you can still walk in joy. When you have lost something and you feel like this is so much pain for you, remind yourself. And this is not going to come automatically. You need to remind yourself. Talk to yourself. You organize a meeting with yourself and remind yourself that you have joy, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And nothing can take that away from you. Nothing that happens around you will take that joy around from you. So joy comes from a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It does not come from the things that happen around us. Joy is an inner... One of the things... um, let's, Let's just read from Philippians. Philippians... Is one of the books that Paul wrote at the time where he was in prison. And when you look at the theme of Philippians, he was talking about people rejoicing. This was a man who has been put in prison for going to preach the gospel. He had not done anything wrong. He has just gone to preach the gospel. He's been arrested and he's been put in house arrest and does not have freedom. Yet when you look at the theme of the book of Philippians, he was talking about rejoice always. He was always the, one of the words that um, that you see most in Philippians is joy or rejoice. And this book was written at the time when the, the, the writer, the, the author of the book, not the author of the book, but the one through whom the Holy Spirit inspired to write, was in prison at that time. But he, he was encouraging people who were outside to rejoice, rejoice. Rejoice. It meant that the joy that this man had was not dependent on his circumstances, but was dependent on the relationship that he had with God. And so he kept encouraging the believers to rejoice. Even though he himself has been cast into prison, the theme for the book that he wrote was rejoice. And so let us be joyful no matter what happened to us in life. Because the truth of the matter is that things are going to happen around us that is going to bring that is going to bring sorrow that is going to make us sad that sometimes is going to bring pain that is going to affect us in a way that naturally we should be sad but we are not just natural men we are spiritual men 
we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so let's remind ourselves of our relationship. Anytime that things happen that brings sorrow, let's remind ourselves of the relationship we have with God. And let's be joyful. <clears throat> Amen. The next description of the fruit that is mentioned is peace. And anytime I talk about peace, one thing comes to my mind is Jesus Christ sleeping in the midst of the storm. And so peace is not the absence of the storm, but peace is in the midst of the storm. And there was something that as I was preparing, there was something that I saw that really imparted, that really imparted me. And I, I, I wrote it down. And, and, and the writer said, the, right, the one who wrote this said, Peace is more than the cessation of hostility, but love that wishes no ill is the basis of true peace. And so again, goes down to my first point, that love is the foundation of all the fruits of the Spirit. If you can really have peace, then don't think evil of other people. I'm telling you, if you are going to experience their new peace, it's not the fact that people have stopped attacking you. Their attacks will come. It's not the fact that there are no storms in your life. There might be storms in your life. In your life. But if your, your peace is grounded on love for other people, irrespective of what other people go through, you can genuinely celebrate the success of other people. And this is one of the things that I see that is needed in the body of Christ most. The church, the body of Christ, the um, um, the individual institutions on earth that forms the universal church. There is so much division and competition amongst us that we are not able to genuinely come together and love one another. And the world is looking at us. There is so much division and hatred for one another based on denomination and other things. But we need to come together. And we will experience genuine peace when we are able to celebrate other people and what God is using other people to do or what God is doing in the lives of other people. And so peace is not the absence of, of storm, but it is an inner quietness and trust in the sovereignty of God. And so there might be storms around you, but you have an inner quietness and you trust in the fact that no matter what happens, God is working out things for your good. No matter what happens, God is on the throne. The Bible tells us <coughs> that when there is chaos and there is all those things happening, what will the righteous do? And when you read that psalm, one of the things that it points out to is that God sits on his throne in the midst of chaos and confusion and all that. There is nothing that will happen in your life or on earth that will be able to unseat God or take God by surprise or make God feel uneasy. There is nothing that makes God feel uneasy. His nature will not change just because of things that are happening on earth or things that are happening in our lives. His nature will not change because of those things. And so when you trust in the sovereignty of God, there are times that you have prayed and believed God for something to happen, but the thing does not happen. You have to turn back and just trust in the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is that he can decide what to do for a man at any time. But you know in trusting his sovereignty that whatever he does for you is the best. Because he says the thoughts that he has for you are of good and not of evil. And so you know that whatever thing God wants to do in your life are, are the best things for you. 
Some of them you might not even know. Some of them you don't even believe. But God is working out things for your good. And so trusting in his sovereignty, no matter what goes on around you, no matter whatever you experience, trusting in the sovereignty of God, whether in life or in death, is what brings peace. Jesus Christ was sleeping in the midst of the storm while the disciples were trying all they they could to to be able to um, um, to sail through the storm. Jesus was still sleeping. And one of um, the disciples came and said, Do you not care that we perish? And sometimes that's how we think about God. This, This is sometimes how we pray to God. God, do you not care that I'm in need? Do you not care that I've been praying about this for so long and I do not receive, I have not received it? Do you not care? Sometimes that's how we pray. God, do you not care? The disciple came to Jesus Christ and said, Curse thou not that we perish. But one thing that the disciple should have known is that if they were going to perish and Jesus Christ was in the boat as well, that they were going to perish together with Jesus Christ, which is impossible. It was not possible because... It had been prophesied that the man was going to die on the cross. And nothing was going to change that. Not the storm. God had already spoken the word concerning. And so he had peace in the midst of the storm. That what God has said, he was supposed to die on the cross. And so when God has good thoughts for you, no matter the storms of life that you go through, trust in the sovereignty of God. Know that what he has for you is is best. And know that what he has said for you, or what he has said concerning you will come to pass. So peace, we can walk in perfect peace when we have whole trust, we put our whole trust in the sovereignty. When we totally surrender and trust God that he is in control of every situation, then we'll experience peace. I'm just looking at the time. All right, so the next one is long-suffering. In other verses, in other versions of the Bible, it is called patience. Patience is the fruit of the Spirit. When somebody does something to you, between the time of reaction, the time that you react, the time that you decide to react, and the time that you react, one thing that you must bring into the equation is patience. Patience. You don't always have to react to to everything that people do to you. And again, one thing that you should remember when you are about to react is the works of the flesh. The Bible makes it so obvious what the works of the flesh are. And so you see people's reaction and you can see the works of the flesh. The Bible tells us the fruit of the Spirit is patience, forbearance, or long-suffering. And again, this comes into play when you're waiting on God for a miracle. You're waiting on God for something. Patience is needed. Long-suffering. The ability to suffer long. That's simply what it means. Suffering long. Patiently, patiently putting up with people despite irritation. Or when people will irritate you, but are you able to relate with them patiently? It could also mean having a right attitude while waiting, the quality of persevering, being steadfast, or long-tempered. You know, people sometimes make their boast in the fact that they are short-tempered. Surprisingly, people who said I'm quick, people who just praise themselves for being quick-tempered. They will say, "Me, I'm very quick-tempered. If you if you do something to me, I have to give it to you instantly, so that I don't 
so that I can just I have to give it to you instantly so that I forget about it. That's that's who I am. <laughs> and that's how some people would describe themselves. But if you are a child of God, the Bible says that you have to be patient. And two names that come to mind is Job. How he patiently suffered long in the midst of the temptation. Patiently suffered long. One man who comes to mind is Saul. And Saul wanted to give the, sac- the sacrifice. He w- was supposed to wait for Samuel. He waited when he, at a point he couldn't wait anymore. So he gave the sacrifice. And Samuel said, you have acted foolishly. You have acted foolishly. And so patience is very important. And as we draw close, usually by the time, <clears throat> this is what I tell people, that you have to decide in advance how you are going to react to things. Because when you are in the midst of the situation, you, wouldn't have, you will not have the chance to think how you are going to react. And so you have to Tell yourself in advance that you're going to be patient in all things. You have to decide in advance. When somebody provokes me, there is no way I am going to um, react angrily. That is not me. That is not me. Decide in advance. Because the matter of the fact is that offenses will come. People are going to provoke you. People are going to make you angry. As you live in this world, there are things that are going to tempt you to to lose your patience. But you have to decide in advance. In your study, in your prayer, in your fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you take the decision that to, I am I'm a patient person no matter what happens. And that will help you in the midst of situations and things that you will encounter during your day and during, as you go about life. Um, I, I don't know if we'll finish this, but let's talk about kindness. Kindness is taking initiative in responding to other people's needs. One of the things that are very important for the believers, for the church, is being kind towards other people. It is when we see people who are in need as the church, as believers, we need to demonstrate kindness. Jesus Christ, when he was walking on earth, the Bible says that he had compassion for the need of the people. When he saw people in need, when he saw that people were, people, people were hungry, people were without clothes, he had compassion for them. And so kindness is you taking initiative, not waiting for people to come and ask you, but you taking initiative towards other people's need. You look at a need in your environment. You look at a need. In your community and you take initiative toward and the book of james remind us says what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works can faith save him if a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to him depart in peace be warm and be filled in our days the person will not just say depart in peace you say god bless you may you experience the power of god will speak all sort of blessings upon you when the person is hungry. The Bible says, but you do not give them, give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Our faith can make impact in this world 
when it's accompanied by works. If we be able to touch our world, our faith needs to be accompanied by works. Some people have turned this scripture or overemphasized the scripture in James. Remember the Bible says that if someone comes to you, if a brother or a sister comes to you, a brother or a sister who is in the faith comes to you and they have need, and you just bless them and do not provide their need, you are not demonstrating your faith. But if somebody is an unbeliever and you just provide their need and you don't share the gospel with them, you have not demonstrated your faith. Because the greatest need of any unbeliever is not food, it's not clothes, but it is Jesus Christ. And so you must make it a point that as you share all other things, because what will it profit a man if you are able to meet all their needs and they still end up in hell? What have you done? What good have you done to those people? And so when it comes to unbelievers, we should identify that their greatest need is not food. Maybe the person is homeless or maybe the person is hungry. But the pers- if the person is an unbeliever, their greatest need is not just shelter, but their greatest need is Jesus Christ. And so as you reach those people with their physical needs, to be able to bring a relationship or bridge a gap between you and those people, Make it a point that as you are supplying their physical need, you will share with them the gospel, which is their greatest need as well. And this is just diversion. But then let's come back to kindness. Kindness is when we, we are hospitable towards other people, being ready to help, our benevolence towards other people, taking thoughts of other people's need is kindness. And it's one of the fruits, one of the descriptions the fruits of the spirit goodness is the state or quality of being beneficent or ready to do good it also means uprightness and love and action in Acts chapter 30 the Bible says how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and so one of the things that Jesus Christ did as a demonstration of being filled with the Holy Spirit was that He went about doing philanthropic work. He went about doing good. And so one of the things that demonstrates the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is goodness. There's no point in a a believer describing himself as a wicked person. I I don't see how you can be wicked and still have the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes I see description of people, things that come into the news and I say somebody, somebody has killed another person. A pastor has shot somebody. I'm like, no, this person, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, there are things you cannot do to that extent. Unless you get to a point where your conscience becomes hardened of evil, then you can do some of the th- these things. But if you have the Holy Spirit influencing your life, there is no way you can do some of, some of the things I see in the news. And that's why I said, I said in the beginning, that we need to pray for the body of Christ. When we see all these imperfections in the body of Christ, things that are contrary to the nature of Christ, things that are contrary to the presence and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, let's pray for the church. We are a church. We are a family. We, are, we all come together as the body of Christ. 
So when we see things that go wrong in the body, it should worry us. It should disturb us. It should give us sleeplessness. When you see things happening in the body of Christ, there is nothing that happens to the body of Christ that is evil or that is wrong that we should rejoice over. Even though it might not be our denomination, it might not be our church, our earthly church or earthly institutional church, but it should not bring us joy because together we come together as the body of Christ. And sometimes we all fall victim thinking that they are just referring to them and not us. But we are all one body one body in christ and so jesus christ being filled with the holy spirit one of the things he did was to go about doing good to people who are in need when he met zacchaeus he was good when he went he met blind Bartimaeus, he was good to that man when he saw the people who were hungry he fed them when he attended the wedding he was good to the groom and the bride even though from the text we don't see that they interact the groom and the bride interacted with jesus but he was still good to them and so jesus christ went everywhere doing good so if you're a believer a person with the holy spirit inside of you one of the things you must walk in one of the descriptions adjectives that should be used to describe you is goodness that you are good to other people faithfulness the quality of being steadfast dedicated dependable worthy of trust and loyal in our days there are very few faithful people faithful friends because the bible has said that in the end time people are going to be unfaithful Right now, people, every almost everyone is looking to their interests first before they think about other people. It is me, myself first before other people. But faithfulness is being steadfast, dedicated, and dependable. If you have somebody who is dependable, if you have a friend who you can depend on, no matter what happened to you, such people, you cherish them so much. And this is one of the things that as believers... People should say of us that they can depend on us. They can trust us with their secrets. You can trust you with important things in their lives. Not just material things, but things that are going on in people's life. They can discuss with you and trust you that they will not hear it somewhere else. You have to be faithful. And when I talk about faithfulness, one of the names that come to mind is Zachariah. Zechariah was faithfully seven. Zechariah, I'm referring to the father of John the Baptist, was faithfully seven as a priest. Even though he and his wife, the Bible bears witness that he and his wife were righteous before God, but they had no child. But this man was serving faithfully. And in the midst of his faithful service, he received a word from an angel. And so faithfulness is always showing up, being there, being dependable being loyal and being trustworthy that people can trust you no matter what that you will always be there they can count on you and i pray that as the body of christ we will have more people who are faithful who you can count on it will not just be words but they will really stand with you as they have promised gentleness or meekness and one of the classic example that we can talk about when we talk about gentleness or meekness is Jesus Christ. That this man who walked on the earth, he was God in, in all his glory. 
he left all the glory behind and became a man. And Bible says, even in function as a man, he served, he was obedient. This man lived an exemplary life, serving his disciples. He was so meek that he could wash the feet of the disciples. When they were afflicting him and were saying all sorts of things about him, people spat in his face and all that. He kept quiet like a sheep who is being led to the slaughter. He did not say anything. Jesus Christ is a perfect example of meekness. That if you think about the fact that this man was a king over all the earth, Yet he became a man. He became a baby. And even as a man, he humbly served people. One of the things that people always want to set right is they always want to remind you of who they are. They want to remind you of the fact that you are supposed to give them their due respect. And people are very quick to remind you. But one of the traits that we should exhibit as believers... It's the trait of meekness, gentleness. That people will see that we are meek. Meekness will cause you to give glory to God in every situation. One of the things that we face as believers in these days is the sense of entitlement. We feel that we are entitled to everything and God owes us everything. That God must give us everything. But if you are humble and if you are meek, no matter what happens, no matter the prayer that you... Are answered or prayers that are not you feel are not answered, you still give glory to God, understanding that He's who He is, not just as a father, but thinking about Him also as God over all the earth, the king of all kings, the man who has all power, the one who owes your life, holds your life, and owns it. And sometimes people can get angry with God. People can get angry with God because things they are expecting have not happened. How can you get angry with the most powerful being on earth? Even think about this, that even when you get angry with your boss, you don't want him to know (laughs) because you can lose your job. But people can get angry with God over things that are not worth being angry. And so meekness will cause us to give glory to God. Uh, We're out of time. Let me just touch on this one. The next one is self-control or temperance. <clears throat> and Paul gave us a good example that after he, 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 he says he beat himself and put himself under subjection so that after he's preached to others, he himself might not become disqualified. And so Paul puts himself under subjection. When you read from verse 24, the Bible says, Do you not know that those who run in a race that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Is has self-control. Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. And self-control can affect every area of your life. It's not just when in dealing with people. But we need self-control, even in the way we use our phones, we, even in the way we watch TV, even in the way we eat. We need self-control. It's very, very important. Overly indulging in something is not good for your life as a believer. Overindulgence in anything at all is not good for your life as a believer. And that's why we need self-control in every area of our lives. We should not be overly indulged in things. 
if you are attentive and if you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, anytime you overindulge in something, He will remind you or He will make you, He will bring, I mean, in your conscience, He will speak to you to let you know that this thing is, is, is too much. It's becoming too much. Or you're spending too much time with this. And so let's be sensitive with, with, to the Holy Spirit. So the foundation of the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the source of Christian love is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that for the Spirit shares abroad the love of God in our heart. And so let's yield to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let's yield to His person. Let's allow Him to consume us as we bear the fruit of the Spirit, as we walk in love will be able to demonstrate or exhibit all the other adjectives that is used for the fruit of the Spirit. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you for this time in your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray that you pick those words. Let them be seeds in the hearts of the hearers, Lord. I rebuke the devourer who comes to take away the seed. Pray that this seed will bear forth fruit in the life of the hearers. In the mighty name of Jesus, pray. Amen.